This is Late Afternoon Gaming playing Curse of Strahd, a Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition module. It's finally time for us to get back into it with Session 20. Feeling lost after the long break? We've got a summary of what's happened so far at the beginning of the episode. Better yet, go listen to all of our other episodes and get your entire family and social network to do the same. Enjoy. Um, okay, so it has been a long time, but we are back for Session 20. Uh, session 17 was our last hero session, and then 18 and 19 were both villain sessions. Given that it's been a while since we've played, I thought that, um, I thought that this would be a good opportunity to take a few minutes and sum up what has happened so far in the campaign, both from the hero side and the villain side. Uh, and I don't have anything written down for this, this isn't meant to be a monologue, um, yeah, and, and in fact, I would, I would actually just like us to do it together. So, are any of you guys comfortable giving like a broad strokes um, summary of what the heroes have done so far in the campaign? You know I am always available to do these things. Um, so, you want me to just do the heroes? Uh, let's start there. Okay. So, the three heroes, uh, Light of Dawn, the Tabaxi Spellblade, Aizen, the... Uh, half-orc barbarian and Kakabi, the goblin cleric, grave cleric specifically. Um, we all found ourselves uh, at the same table at a, a tavern in uh, near Daggerford, which is on the Sword Coast. Um, a guy rolled in, uh, entreating us to meet uh, meet with the burgomaster of Barovia, um, who was being uh, beset by evil uh, of some nature. We set off to the west, uh, which should have led us straight into the ocean, but instead led us to the vampire's realm of Barovia. Um, pretty quickly after we got there, we realized that we had been duped, um, that we had been led there under false pretenses, and that uh, the real intent of someone who had sent a similar note was for us to basically burn the whole place down, uh, for, or for holy men to shed holy light <laughs> on the area and get rid of it. But... Uh, that option was behind us because we are now trapped in the vampire's realm. We made our way to the town of Barovia, which is very near the entrance uh, on the east side um, of this area. There we ran into uh, Irina Kolyana, I believe her name is, um, who is the yeah. daughter of the recently deceased burgomaster of the town of Barovia. Burgomaster being something like a mayor. Um, her brother... Um, I want to say his name is Indirovich, or that might have been the father's name. What's the brother's name? Kolyan. Kolyan. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Uh, no, Kolyan Indirovich. Kolyan Indirovich, great. Um, and then her name is Irina Kolyana. Yeah, so bear in mind, <laughs> you know, patronymics. Yeah. So anyway, um, we found her, uh, who she is the, the daughter of the Burgomaster, the person that we thought we were supposed to save in the first place. Um, and she had at one point been bitten by Strahd, though she was not in any immediate peril of becoming a vampire. However, her brother feels that the, um, the attacks on the town that had eventually taken the life, uh, I think through stress, um, of their father were actually targeted at her, not at him. So he wanted us to take her away from the town of Barovia and get her somewhere safer. Um, options there being uh, the Abbey of St. Markovia uh, in Kresh or the town of Vallaki, 
uh, both of which were northwest of the town that we were currently in. Uh, there's some other side quest things that happened there, but um, probably not super necessary to bring them up. We agreed to take Irina to... I, I, I think we said we were going to take her to the Abbey of St. Markovia by way of Velaki. Um, so after we left, we relatively quickly got to... Uh, oh, well, actually, before we got to Velaki, we ran into some Vistani. Now, the Vistani are a group of people uh, to whom the person who duped us uh, belongs. So they're uh, like a native tribe of the Barovia area that can move freely in and out of Barovia, which is something that only they can do. Um, well, and point point of clarification there, they are not native. Oh, they're not native, sorry. Well, anyway, they, they are here. Um, so we met with Madame Eva... Um, who is like a seer or a, like a, some sort of, uh, cunning woman of some kind. And she gave us some, she gave us a, a Taraka card reading, which is like tarot cards, but different, legally distinct. Um, that told us of some things that we can use to, uh, defeat Strahd. Um, one of them was an ally that we could use in the fight against him, which turned out there isn't one. Um, there was a weapon that we could use against him, knowledge of the enemy, and then uh, some other magic artifact. I forget what the description was. So we get some sort of clues uh, as to where we might find these things that'll help us in our quest. Um, after that, we got to Velaki. Again, I'm, I'm cutting out some of the side quest content. Uh, and we were trying to get some information there, uh, you know, get a, a safe place to stay because the wilds of Barovia are not particularly safe. While we were there, um, we ended up uh, stealing the Sun Sword, which is the weapon uh, from the prediction, um, which got us uh, in a bit of trouble with the um, the Martikovs, who are the family that owned the inn from which we stole the sword. Other things that happened, um, we went to the town square at one point and found that they were preparing for this festival of the Blazing Sun. This was after some other like festival they had done relatively recently that we had missed. Um, and we kind of got clued into the idea that they pretty consistently do festivals of some kind at the order of the Burgomaster, otherwise known as the Baron, because he felt that that was the best way to, um, best way to buoy spirits and buoying spirits is what was going to keep them safe from Strahd and his influence. Um, and he was pretty, uh, ruthlessly enforcing, uh, this like mandatory fun for the town of Velaki. Um, beyond that, there were a couple other minor things that happened, but nothing terribly significant. Um, we did save a, uh, a girl who lived with the Vistani and returned her to a local Vistani camp. There we met, uh, an elf by the name of something or other, Casimir. Casimir? Casimir. Just Casimir, yeah. Casimir, uh, who claimed that he had, like, a good amount of knowledge uh, that would help us, but we felt that we were not prepared to take him up on his offer, so that's something we're going to do later. Um, we also got some information about the Mad Mage of Mount Baratok, who uh, is to the north of Velaki, and we kind of jotted that down as something for us to do later. Uh, eventually, we managed to make enemies of just about everybody in town, um, to include uh, Fiona Wachter, uh, who's a woman who wanted to take over the town because she felt like trying to resist Strahd is kind of pointless, and she would rather just tear down the walls and, uh, you know, try to work with Strahd or something like that. We went to go tell the Burgomaster about her plan because we felt like it was probably a bad one. Um, while we were there, we found that he had somebody held captive 
there for reasons that uh, we later determined were probably unjust. We ended up getting in almost a fight with the, the guards. We managed to convince them to just let us escape. Um, and we took the guy with us. But we made ourselves uh, definitely enemies of the area. Luckily, a fortuitously timed fire at a local church, um, you know, distracted some of the guards and allowed us to make good our escape to the west. From there, uh, I, I guess I should mention we also met in this town a guy by the name of uh, Rictavio, um, who is like a, a local, like, bard kind of character. Everybody likes him. He was hanging out at the inn. Um, but uh, that is a disguise. He's actually a man by the name of uh, Van Richten. If I remember correctly, uh, and he's come from a faraway land in order to defeat Strahd, along with his partner Esmeralda, um, who is a Vistani woman that he had lost track of. A Vistana. A, she's a Vistana. So we made good our escape from the town of Velaki and headed west. Um, we found a tower by a lake uh, that, as I recall, we didn't really get much out of. Although we did, we did meet up with Esmeralda while we were there. Uh, and appointed her in the direction of Rictavio slash Van Richten. From there, we continued our travel west to Kresh, uh, and we were not allowed entry into that city, um, or city's a strong word for it, into that settlement. Uh, they would allow us in if we turned back on the wine shipments from the Wizard of Wine, which is uh, like the one industry that actually exists within Barovia that we've detected, uh, and was generally pretty immediately to the south of Kresh. So we went to the winery and uh, dealt with some an infestation of druids and twig blights uh, among other you know thorny creatures of the wild um, that were harassing the winery after dealing with that we uh, had a discussion with one of the proprietors of the place another Mardikov, um who had knowledge of us from his uh, from his compatriots over in Velaki. Um, and was slightly grateful that we had taken care of the problem, but eyed us with a good deal of suspicion due to the fact that we had stolen some wealth and the sun sword from his uh, cousin or whatever. Uh, we ended up giving the money back, but uh, my character, Light of Dawn, uh, the current owner of the sun sword, refused to return it uh, because he felt like it wasn't doing anyone any good sitting up in somebody's attic and that he could better use it against Strahd. TBD on whether that ends up panning out. But... The Mardikov there agreed to let us bring the wine back to Kresh, and so we did, and were allowed entrance into the city. While inside, we found the place uh, to be in pretty dire straits, the people there uh, starving, um, afraid to leave the walls, but unable to provide for themselves within it, um, and a dwindling population and further dwindling hope had left this settlement uh, somewhat the lesser. After discussing things with the Burgomaster there, uh, we discovered that one of the biggest source of their woes... Oh, sorry. Arena left us in uh, Velaki because she was uh, she found our conduct distasteful, specifically me stealing the sun sword. So she was no longer with yeah. us. <laughs> so uh, she just said she, said she was going to go back, and we're pretty confident that she died. She might have died. We don't, we don't know that. To be I determined. think she's fine. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so we had originally had the idea to come to Kresh because that is also where the Abbey of St. Markovia is located. Um, and that was supposedly a safe place for uh, Arena to take refuge. Um, turns out that wouldn't have worked anyway, because uh, that place, according to the Burgomaster, is inhabited by Strahd, and he uses that lair as a place to harass the people of Kresh and make their life difficult. Um, we said that we would go check it out, uh, which he was not a big fan of, but we did it anyway. So we went up to the top. First thing we did was find the second item that we were looking for, which was uh, it's some sort of sun symbol. 
um, to which uh, our goblin cleric Cockabee is now attuned. Uh, but that's fast forwarding a bit. While we were up there, we ran into uh, a flesh golem and other uh, sort of monstrous creatures that are stitched together from the parts of uh, various people and animals, it seems. Um, one of which was able to talk to us. Um, he was telling us about the abbot, who is sort of their master there. Um, and he is some holy man that seems to be punishing them for the sins of their own lives and perhaps the lives of their ancestors. Um, I forget what their family name is. It's the, uh, that doesn't really matter. So we eventually met with the abbot, uh, and found that his plan was to create a bride for Strahd, that bride being another flesh golem, um, with the idea that that would placate Strahd in some way or somehow resolve some conflict between Strahd and these people or something. The dude's obviously insane. Uh, we ended up getting in a fight. He almost whipped our asses, but... Uh, flew off before finishing the deed and told us to leave. Which we eventually did, um, not taking any of the mongrel folk with us because the uh, the abbot said that for everyone that we took with us, he would kill somebody in crash. So we decided that what we needed to do was come back later when we had more power and more powerful items that would allow us to fight this thing better. Uh, Descend- the name of the family is the Bellevues. Bellevues, that's right. I was thinking it was like the Belmonts, but I couldn't remember the name of the Belmonts. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, we made our way back down to the city of Kresh. Uh, again, it's not a city, but because uh, there's only like a couple, like four dozen people who live there or something like that. The metropolis of Kresh. Yeah, the bustling metropolis. <laughs> uh, so talked to the Burgomaster, who was surprised to see us return, but dissatisfied with the results. Um, and we recommended that he take his people and go somewhere else because it's not Strahd that's up there. So, um, you know, maybe some of his concerns could be allayed by that fact. So he agreed to go with us to scout out Valaki and see if it would become a suitable location. Upon returning to the city gate, we discovered that the, uh, due to, you know, no fault of our own, of course, the Burgomaster that, uh, we had met there, uh, Vargas Valakovich was now dead. And that Fiona Walker had taken over the city. Um, they claimed that she was not the Burgomaster, but we don't know specifically what role she's playing. Point is, we didn't know what was going on inside the gates, and uh, the Burgomaster of Kresh was not comfortable with bringing his people in there. At that point, I recommended that we uh, relocate them to the Wizard of Wines, and then you know have them create some sort of mutually beneficial arrangement that allows for the housing of uh, the Kreshkians and the uh, operation of the wine facility because they're having some troubles down there anyway. Uh, deciding to at least give that option a try, we made our way back to the Wizards of Wine, which is where Session 17 ended. Uh, and that's where our heroes are now at. Okay, well that was a fantastic nut showing. So take a take an inspiration. Uh, very well deserved. Do either of you other guys have anything to add? I did skip Not a bunch that. of things, so... Yeah, but it's it's all um, like I, I, side you might have been about mostly. to say the shepherd, but um, just because it might come into play later. Uh, Sorry, oh, go on, Jack. Jack, are you, were you trying to say something? You're kind of breaking up for me. No, I, I just said the the stuff that was skipped over. I think is mostly side quest type stuff. It, it was. I, I think so. The first the first kind of big challenge we ran into was uh, at the who was it who tried shepherd? Was it Light of Dawn who tried the the pastry in Barovia. <laughs> yeah, I, I skipped um, that whole plot line because I didn't think it was germane to what we're doing right now. But yes, it was my no, character. But I think, I mean, that that might be something that 
you know, for us to come fix that. But kind of our, our first taste of this new world where we realized uh, that we might not be powerful enough to take on everything was we encountered um, these these hags in a windmill that were, uh, I guess, basically <laughs> harvesting babies. babies into, into yeah, pies. And putting them into pies and selling them. Um, which like is, you do. Yeah, as, as one does. Um, which, you know, understandably, we were somewhat put off by that. Um, however, we very quickly realized, trying to take them on, that we were tr- tremendously underpowered and it, it was going to be a slaughter, and so we left. But I think that's something that's been kind of on the back of all of our characters' minds is that's that's something we would want to go back and fix at some point. Right. Yep, that is a, that is a good point, that the group came in to right a wrong, or came into Barovia that way and then was put in their place in terms of you know capability and just how doomed this place really is. So I, I think that, I agree that that is totally important. But yeah, um, and then if you want a summary of the villains, that's much shorter. I can give that yep. as well. Uh, yeah, take it away. So the... In addition to the three hero characters, there are also three villain characters. So the way those three villain characters started was um, they, in an unrecorded session zero, um, had stumbled into this uh, this house that seemed to be haunted. They were lured in there by a, a little girl who was saying, you know, something bad had happened. After defeating all the monsters inside, uh, we were swept away to Strahd's castle uh, and discovered that uh, Strahd von Zarovich... Um, the vampire lord of Barovia had set that place up as a, as like a, a test or, or like a trap for adventurers, and he was looking for advice on how to optimize it. Um, uh, he at some point decided that he wanted to test our combat abilities uh, in a way that he could more directly observe, and had us fight a bunch of monsters, who, uh, along with Strahd himself, ended up killing the three of us. Um, he resurrected us as vampire thralls within his service, and then uh, started having us do his bidding within the realm of Barovia. Uh, the first task that he had for us was, um, uh, was the first one messing with, uh, Velaki? I believe it was. Oh, no, it was, um, he wanted us to go to the, uh, church in Velaki, uh, to, um, like, destroy the artifact that they had there. Yeah. So we, uh, uh, we had to enlist Milovosh to yes. help us out with that. <laughs> so, yeah, long story short, we were able to sneak into town uh, through the coffin service, um, enlist the aid of uh, the gravedigger who worked at the church um, and helped us to uh, uh, steal uh, and destroy, I believe, this... Uh, this it, it was like a sack of old holy bones or something like that, but some magic artifact that was uh, providing some protection to uh, the church itself. Then we uh, later burned down said church and uh, uh, and killed most everybody within it. Uh, and that was coinciding with the escape of our three hero characters from the town of Alaki. After that event, uh, and after the, the exit of our hero characters, those three characters went back to Velaki in order to destabilize it. Uh, and more specifically, it was to make the Burgomaster's life like a living hell was the task. So we did a variety of things, uh, one of which was uh, my my villain character, who's a uh, Sir Darren Grasenby, a tiefling, um, uh, not Spellblade, uh, a Magus, uh, another custom class. He took over the town guard and became the captain of it. Um, Walker, the tabaxi ranger, and uh, which is Jack's villain character, and uh, don't say it. 
I can't remember his name. What is it? Think Think Medicine. It's a uh, it's Zerkak. Zerkak. Uh, Zerkak, the <laughs> Hobgoblin Paladin, <laughs> uh, which is Nerf's villain character. Uh, got to work making preparations to ruin the um, festival of the blazing or rising sun, um, which was again the burgomaster's like big push to boost morale in the city. We ended up being relatively successful with that, doing no small part to the release of a saber tooth tiger on the masses as they conducted this uh, rain drenched ceremony. Um, so we were through a combination of that and some other things able to relatively quickly destabilize the town of Velaki. Um, these events, which uh, off-screen sort of culminated in the death of the Burgomaster and the takeover of the town by the Wachter family, led by Fiona Wachter. As we exited the town to the north, we discovered that the Mardukov family, the ones who own the Blue Water Inn, uh, which is the main uh, main watering hole of Velaki, are actually a family of were-ravens um, who had escaped the town and had fled somewhere to the west uh, after this uh, nonsense that we'd incited. Immediately after their departure, we were once again greeted by Strahd, uh, who gave us our next assignment, which was to mess with the Wizards of Wine. He felt that the winery here in Barovia is like the one consistent source of happiness for the people there, uh, and decided that it was high time that some tomfoolery occur in the vicinity thereof. So he tasked us with creating such tomfoolery, um, with the really the task being make it funny or else he would kill us. Um, <laughs> he's constantly threatening <laughs> us in silly ways like that. Um, so yeah, what a joker. Yeah, good night, Whistling. I'll most likely kill you in the morning. <laughs> um, so we made our way over to the Wizards of Wine, uh, arriving there after the heroes had departed. Uh, when we got there, there was a giant tree uh, that was uh, laying siege to the area, and we were able to dispatch it relatively quickly. From the Mardukov well, I wouldn't there, say it relatively quickly. It took like two hours. It, it was a long combat, although it didn't really hurt us that badly. It took us a while to beat him, though. So the Mardukov there, we discussed uh, with him what their issue was. And what he said was that their winery was basically done for because um, the stones, like the magic stones that allowed the... Uh, enabled the fertility of the ground or, you know, the growing of the vines or something like that were gone, and so the the crops were basically rotting in the fields, and they weren't going to be able to make any more wine because the grapes weren't growing anymore. We figured that that was a, a pretty sharp avenue uh, towards which we could <laughs> uh, direct our comedic journey here. So uh, we agreed to uh, search for and potentially recover them. Um, we made our way south to Yester Hill, uh, where we found uh, a group of berserkers who were like worshipping some sort of uh, weird bleeding tree or, or something like that. Um, and in that area, we were able to recover one of the three stones. Um, we were on the hunt for uh, Baba Yaga, who supposedly is walking around somewhere in the woods and might know something more, perhaps. Though that's more supposition on our part. <laughs> we don't really know that for sure. Um, we saw a, a city to the west and decided to start traveling towards it. But as we entered the fog, we quickly started gaining levels of exhaustion and decided that that was probably impossible and we shouldn't bother with it. So... Um, our villains are still on the hunt for Baba Yaga uh, to see if they can find out any more about the two remaining stones that they seek that uh, they can use to either help or harm the Wizards of Wine. Uh, and then that that is coinciding with the reappearance of the heroes with the Burgomaster of Kresh at the Wizards of Wine. And that's basically it for the villains. Okay, well, once again, very well done. Uh, does anyone have anything to add to that? I think that Nerf should get the inspiration for that summary. <laughs> Why is that? 
I, just because I, I don't think it's fair if uh, if it's all Shepard. I think we all contributed about equally. Okay, so I, I think, yeah, certainly. <laughs> and just to smooth everything out, Nerf, I'm going to give you a 1d4 that you can roll against any of Jack's rolls whenever okay. you like. I like, just go, I like you know, not, not like in perpetuity. You have one. One? Okay. Um, Do you, uh, Can I use this for death saving throws? Just try, uh, you just can use it at, at any point. Yeah, okay. if you want to okay. really fuck him over hard like that, that's fine. Um, and, I'm just uh, kidding. Yeah. Okay. So as if as if Eisen would ever get to the point where he had to <laughs> death saving throws. No, that's that's yeah. true. If Eisen you're has making not death saving throws, struggling recently. Yeah. Everyone else is dead. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Some, something has gone catastrophically wrong by that point. Um, okay. So, picking up for tonight's session, um, we're back with the heroes, uh, and as Shepard described, but I'll flesh this out in a little more detail, what happened in session 17 was, um, you had just come down from the Abbey, and so there had been some, there was kind of a complicated communal situation there where you had essentially promised that you were going to clear out whatever was going on in the Abbey, um, (laughs) and, and then found that you were not able to. Um, and so uh, you, as a group, advised the people of Kresh to leave. The Burgermaster talked with the people, and they unanimously decided that you were right, and it was time to go. And uh, the Burgermaster went with the the three of you to... Uh, I mean, it, it essentially on like a diplomatic mission to Velaki to see if they would take in, um, you know, the the four dozen or so people of uh, of Kresk. Um but then seeing the state of the place, and uh, you know, in combination with what the three of you told him, uh, he agreed that maybe it would be better for them to join forces with the Wizard of Wines, um, and so you trekked back uh, west and then south to the Wizard of Wines. And that is where we begin tonight's session. So we'll uh, hit you with a little flavor text just to reintroduce the area. Um, so you're, you're working your way south down Old Svalich Road. It is uh, early morning. It's taken you some time to get back and you make camp along the way. But uh, since waking up, you uh, got to walking. And now that you walk south down Old Svalich Road... Um, You can see that after half a mile, the road becomes a muddy trail that meanders through the woods, descending gradually until the trees part, revealing a mist-shrouded meadow. The trail splits. One branch heads west into the valley, the other leads south into dark woods. A wooden signpost at the intersection points west and reads, Vineyard. Uh, And as you take that turn, you can see that a light drizzle begins to fall. Unpainted fences blindly follow the trail. Jack, that was something that you, you specifically emphasized last time, which skirts mm-hmm, north of a sprawling vineyard before bending south toward a stately building. The fog takes, takes on ghostly forms as it swirls beneath the neatly tended rows of grapevines. Here and there, you see rope-handled half-barrels used for hauling grapes. North of the trail is a large stand of trees, and so this is a familiar sight to you, but a couple of things stick out a little this time. So... Um, oh, and I told myself I was going to be better about scene setting. So, it is a cool day. 
Um, it's overcast like it always is, but it's a little drizzly today, so it's more wet than usual. And so in addition to the like just characteristic Barovian fog, it's, it's damp and it's even foggier than usual. Um, and you notice two things. First, um, the vines seem to have lost some of their luster. Since you have been, like, since you've been here the past time, they look, um, the crop looks like it is not doing well. And you're not sure what exactly is giving you that impression, but you, uh, part of it is the color. You know, so much of Barovia is this, it's cold grays and dull browns and things like that. But the vines, um, some of them anyway, last time you were here, seemed a pretty vibrant green, and that color seems to have faded. Um, the other thing that you notice is on the muddy path that leads between the vines to the house, there is what looks like a giant knotted felled tree. Um, it is laying on its side, and it is, uh, it is on fire. Um, and standing by that fire with his back to you is a man you recognize. He's the older gentleman um, that you spoke to last time that you were here. I believe it's like Damien Mardikov or something? It's Davian Mardikov. Davian, okay. Um, right, so he's, uh, he's wearing a dark cloak. Uh, he's not wearing any shoes and he has this odd kind of knurled staff. Um, and he's not, he's not like a crone or he's not very elderly. He, he looks like he's probably late fifties. He's well-traveled um, and well-traveled. Yes. Right. Um, you know, he's, he's vintage. He's classic. Um, and as you make your way down the path, he can hear your boots squelching in the mud and he turns towards you. So anyway, uh, Bergo Master, that is like basically everything that we have done in Barovia. Did you catch that summary? Uh, he is, uh, he has not asked a lot of questions during this story, which took you, you know, all day yesterday. and, and It actually took us like four months to tell the story. It was a really, really long trip from Vallaki to, uh, to the Wizard of Wine. You, you can you tell that he's been paying attention. And um, he just shakes his head in disbelief. Um, not not in like a, you know, he doesn't believe you disbelief, but like a, I guess, seems to think it's incredible. Yes, it is truly amazing. Hey, hang on a minute, guys. Did, was that three here last time? I do not remember it. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. That's, uh, because we, we were all over that road and we were fighting, and uh, I would have remembered having to fight that thing. It's not I... just like a pile of twig blights that someone cut on fire, is it? I remember these vines being a little more vibrant. I mean, I, I was able to, like, hide and duck through them when we had the fight here. You, you see Light of Dawn going like, ooh, and he's he's wondering if all the, the thunder waves that he cast all over these vines has <laughs> anything to do with the fact that they're now... He's like, oh, my God. Just vaporizing, I, yeah, you know, I, cru yeah. crucial sections of the... No, mm -hmm. yeah, and uh, so Davian hearing this, um, like I said, he, he turned towards you as you were walking, and he says, no... No, I don't think this is here when you guys were here last time. Ah, uh, Davian, how are you doing? What What's going on? What's new? Um, and he, he looks at you and says, or he looks past you, rather, at the Burgomaster, and says, what are you doing here? And with them. And the Burgomaster takes his right glove off 
and goes to shake Davian's hand. Um, and um, Davian kind of just moves past the handshake and gives him one of those like half handshake, half hugs. Right, they're you know what I mean, like pull, pull, pulls him in, and um, and he says, "Does something happen?" And the burgomaster says, "I'm uh, I'm afraid we can no longer stay in the village." So let him down. Snaps his fingers. Ah, village. That was the word I was looking for. Not. I kept saying city. My bad. These men have helped us a great deal, but uh, the the force that occupies the the abbey is beyond even them. And so I sought to rehome my people to Valaki, but things are not right there. I don't know. I don't know exactly what's going on, but Vargas is dead. Um, and you can see uh, Davian uh, doesn't lose his composure, but he stiffens up a little bit. Um, and... Um, the Burgermaster doesn't say anything after that, and Davian looks at him and says, And, uh, my boy? How's uh, he? Light of Dawn raises an eyebrow. And the Burgermaster says, I I don't know. I don't know. I wasn't able to get inside. I was hoping you had heard from him. And, um, Davian, you have always known Davian to be, you know, very chill. He is a chill um, guy, for sure. And Sup. he does not seem chill right now. Lit. And, uh, he, um, he looks at the Burgomaster and says, what do you need? And the Burgomaster says, I, I wouldn't ask you this if I had any other choice, but we can't stay and we can't go to Velaki. And I was wondering if we could come here. And, and he puts of, his hands up. Says, hear me out, hear me out. I think this is a good idea. <laughs> he, he puts his hands up kind of preemptively and says, we would work. For you, whatever you need. You need people in the field. You need guards. You need people to make deliveries. I'm not asking for wages. I just need... I, I mean, I'm barely even asking for safety. We would, frankly, we would have to... We'd be safer here with no walls than we are where we are now. I, I, I just... <sighs> and Davian puts his hand on the Burgermaster's shoulder and says, Buddy, of course... Light of Dawn goes, yes, because this is all his idea, and he's very proud. <laughs> yeah. And cool, he cool. says, listen, man, we could, frankly, we could, well, I'd say we could use the help, but there's really nothing left to do. There's no, no harvest. Not going to be a harvest. And he starts choking up a little bit. There's, I mean, the vines are dying, man. And, well, I guess my point is we're, we're in this together, man. Light of Dawn so, jumps in and asks, what do you think is the problem with the vines? They looked fine the other day. Um, so, as you're having this conversation, a like the fire shifts. You know how you know, the fire burns for a while and then like a log burns through and something falls? Yeah. You hear, you hear it, something fall in the fire. And Davian instinctively like turns around to look at it and he goes, holy fuck. And you can see that a big piece of wood, like a big knot, has fallen away from a central portion of the trunk of the tree, and inside is a large, um, like, honeydew-sized green iridescent stone. 
Light of Dawn puts a hand out to uh, Devin and says, Don't worry, I'll get it. And he, he bounds towards it to, to pry the stone loose from the wood. What on earth is that thing? Yeah, what? <laughs> Let's get some exposition here. <laughs> I have a lot of questions about this like tree thing. Um, and, okay, so Light of Dawn, are you like immune to fire? Or you're uh, stepping into a bonfire right now? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, he's very heroic. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to cast... Um, I I, I want to use this uh, combat spell as like a um, you know, as a story element here. I, I can cast shield, um, okay. and so if I could just cast shield and uh, like just try and like beat off the fire and protect my back from it as I, I like uh, you know try to claw this thing out of the tree and then uh, if the fire gets too hot, I'm gonna misty step out. But I. If with okay. with the yeah. spells I got, so, I think I can fight my way through a bonfire. So you are able to do that. You know, you can see that. Uh, I mean, da- you can immediately tell that Davian is both very surprised and very happy to see whatever this thing is. Um, you spring in, and with a flourish and a flash of light, you're able to pry this this stone loose, and you don't grab it. You basically kind of hook it and like pull it out so that it rolls out of the fire and you step back very quickly and so this stone rolls and comes to a rest near Davian's feet and um it sitting there in the mud with the rain coming down um it just steams and it is this beautiful bright green um and he he turns around and he looks at he looks at all of you and he says do you have any conception of what that is? Nope. Uh, go ahead and tell us, though, because it looks pretty cool. Uh, you, I can't say. Before that happens, you turn around and you see Light of Dawn. He, like, he starts, like, yelping and he's beating out these fires on his, uh, on his, like, it looks like his armor has caught on fire. Um, <laughs> but if you try to do anything about it, uh, he reveals that it's minor magic and he was doing it to fool you, and then he laughs. Um... Well, da- Davian and the Burgomaster are both transfixed by the stone. <laughs> no, nobody um, notices. He's like trying to get a laugh out of people, and it just doesn't work. Right. Goes, all right, yeah, never it, mind. It's not landing at all. Uh, all right, um, all right, I get it. <laughs> and he says, "That's Red Dragon Crush." Um, huh? Must be a very rare vintage. It doesn't look like, like the, the stuff we have seen. A, a That's tear Red Dragon rolls crush. out of his eye, and he says. <sighs> He, he puts his hand on the Burgermaster's shoulder, like, for support, and puts his head down. And when he looks up, he is, he has a huge smile on his face. And he says, let's, uh, just g- give me a minute. And, and I'll, I'll explain. Um, Light of Dawn sits down for the cutscene. He, uh, he takes, he waits a minute um, for the stone to cool. And then he grabs it in both hands and just runs off into the field. Um, and then, like, a couple minutes later, he comes back with no stone. Um, and you're all just standing there in the in the drizzle, waiting. And um, he says, why don't I, why, why don't I get us some chairs? And then we can, <sighs> yeah, I'll, I'll be right back. And... Why don't we um, just hang out inside? It's raining. He says... No. <laughs> okay. I, I want to see if anything else Fair comes enough. out of this thing, man. Um, and so he comes back with, like, some stools, and then he brings out, 
like hunks of bread and cheese for everybody and uh, a couple of flasks of, of wine. Um, and so you're sitting, you're in that kind of weird zone where like you're close enough to the fire that even though it's kind of drizzling, like you're not cold um, because the fire is radiating so much heat. Um, and now that you're seated a little more comfortably, he says, ever, I, I, I don't know when this started, man, but a long time ago, like generations ago, a wizard gave my family these stones, the Mardikov thing. And it seems like, you know, my dad, he had a story about, you know, like what he did to, you know, what our great, 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 great grandfather, whoever it was, what he did to earn a favor from the wizard. His story was different from his dad's story. And nobody really knows, you know, like what the circumstances were. But this wizard, gave the family these three stones um, and you can see that Davian is like a pretty engaging storyteller um, and he really he reminds you of Erwin like a lot of his mannerisms are the same um, and you get the impression that he's probably told this many many times um, to his kids or maybe to people at, at maybe he had a bar at one point um, he says well so he gave us these three stones, right? And they looked, well, one was that one, and the other two look real similar. And they provide life to the crumb. They're responsible for the flavor and the consistency. And they're what's able to beat back the blight, you know? They're the reason why something so good and pure is able to grow year-round in a godforsaken place like this. And that, that's a stone for Red Dragon Crush, man. Okay, so what happened to the other ones? Well, about ten years ago, a group of scarecrows came down here. And behind them, this giant chicken thing, chicken monster. They came and they they found the stone for Champagne du Stomp. And they dug it up. I don't know how they knew where it was. Maybe it was emanating some kind of some kind of energy you know but they found it and they took it and after that well the the crop withered and died we got one more harvest out of it and it never came back um and and, and more recently a couple of weeks ago same thing happened except this time there was this big tree with like this one like this one that we're burning right now and they took Purple Grape Mash number three. No. And then they came back and they got Red Dragon Crush. And that was it. That was it, man. Well, but conveniently, I mean, they brought this one back. So, you know, at least there's hope that the uh, the other one you lost more recently might come back too. Maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe it's out there. You know, maybe it's what powers these <sighs> trees or... I don't know. The problem is they don't even always come from the same direction, you know, and I, I, man, I don't, there just aren't many of us, and, you know, before it was, uh, I didn't want to get up and leave to try to find the stone, because then I wasn't protecting the ones that we still had, and, and, and then when it got to the point where we didn't have any left, push came to shove, I just couldn't bring myself to risk any of my family going after a stone. 
Sure, but now uh, you've got one stone back and, you know, you're, you're about to get a, a much bigger group of people that can help with, you know, whatever you need, right? So, you know, situation he, improving. He looks up at you for the first time with light in his eyes and he takes a big swig of um, of his wine and, uh, and you can taste it. This is some pretty darn tasty Red Dragon Crush. Um... And he says, we're back in business, man. We are back in business. He, and he looks at the burgomaster and says, I think we're going to pull through this. If you, can, if you can supply guards, now we've got a crop. We'll have something to harvest. I can have my people train your people. <sighs> I think we're going to be all right, man. Light of Dawn claps his hands and says, all right, let's get to it. We just need to get the, <laughs> the crush guys here and we can move on with life. Huh? How does that sound? Light of Dawn starts flashing the sun sword on and off just to remind this guy that actually he hates us. Like, don't forget. <laughs> All right, yeah. The, uh, he, he actually addresses that. Like, he, he, Gavin can obviously sense that there's some tension here. And he turns to the three of you and says, Look, I, I don't understand why you guys did what you did. And, but, all I know right now is I'm like, what you did right now was a real good thing, you know? And if if you can get my my son and my grandkids back to me, then I don't give a shit what you took. <laughs> who, who are your son and your... Uh, is that... Uh, Presumably Irwin. Is that Irwin and his family? He nods and says... Oh, sure. Yeah, we'll look for him. We'll let them know. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out. Um... But anyway, yeah. no tension. I'm just trying to get the move on. We've been standing yeah. here talking for like three hours now. Well, I mean, what, what what do we want to do first? Let's let's get the people from Crash Care first, I think, because they're in the yeah. most peril right. immediately. Yeah, that's what and I'm saying. Let's, let's go. Let's, let's do it. Let's get them. And then we check can out close Owen. that. And then uh, I really want to see if we can hear anything about Arena. I want to try to get in touch with Arena. Yeah. Sure. Hey, you know what we can do? We can, uh, you know, we can we can walk talk. Are, are, are we ready talk, to go? Walk talk. Yeah, uh, hey, let me send a let me send a message to uh, uh, Burgermaster Kreshkov. What's your wife's name again? He he looks and says, there, "There's no need, really. We're close enough. We're half a day's walk." Okay, I, I, I can... was just thinking they could pack and everything for when we get no, there. No, but if that's fine, yeah, okay. this is this is fine. I will go, and and he um, he like brings the three of you in and says, "I cannot, I cannot express or." I'm gonna I'm gonna cut you off there. Don't say anything until it's done. <laughs> yeah. Let's, go, let's yes. go get the people. He he nods his head and says, y- "You're right. No, it, I I know that sending a message in advance is the right logistical decision. But if it if it is okay with you, I would like to tell them in my own voice. Go oh, for okay, it. Okay, yeah, sure. I, I will say yeah, so if fine. we're if we're parting ways here, awesome." If you really want to, if you want to say thank you, help us figure out a way to get more powerful weapons. That we need weapons. He says, "I will." Yes, I think we can take it from here, and I will tell you everything that I know. You have earned that, and so much. Okay, we will be back at some point. Right. Let's go, boys. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Oh, well, so where, hmm, where are we going now? All right. So that I think we've got a couple avenues here. So we had originally planned on going south. Um, to yeah. Hold on. Let check me, out. Let me pull up the the quest spreadsheet here. Right. Get the map Mount, menu Mount out. Mount Gacus, right? We were gonna Mount go to Mount Gacus. That's correct. 
Yep. So, so we- as you pull out your map, the Burgomaster is still standing there, and so is Davian. And he says, Listen, if you if you head north again and you return to that intersection and head south, um, and he's pointing at the map, and you can see there's kind of like two junctions, really, uh, in Zvalich Woods, south of Lake Baratop. He says, If you head south there, that will take you to... Um, it will take you to Selenka Pass. This is a an ancient and rarely taken road. Uh, and legend has it that it leads into the heart of Mount Gacchus. And what is there, I can't tell you. I don't know anyone who has walked that road. Um, um, well, that's that's all we need to know, though. That's That's pretty good. Sure, good advice. I don't know how much of it remains or what is at the end of it, but... Um, he we'll find out. He even says... I would be prepared for bitter cold. Hmm. All right, well, yeah, so we need to get some new duds or something. Great. Okay, yeah. so maybe we should leave that for later. But other things that we said we were going to do were... We can kill um, the hags. Kill the hags, uh, the Mage of Mount Beratak, um, which we kind of have to go north through the Valaki area anyway to get to that kind of zone. Um, so what we can do is, one, we can look for the Martagavs and see, uh, see if we can find them in the area. And I'm not saying we should go into Valaki, but... We could stop by the uh, the Vistami camp as well, see how they're doing. We can check out the mage. We can try to kill the witches again, um, and basically make our way back to Barovia, um, the village, and see if Arena is there and see how she is doing. Well, does Cockabee have like a sending spell? I, I do use? actually. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's see if we can get a hold of Erwin, um, and I'll cast sending. Oh, oh that's an that's easy one. Yeah, point. for uh, yeah. for Erwin. <laughs> Um, I'm sure you'll be thrilled to hear. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna say, hey, Erwin, it's Cockabee. Look, I, I know I'm probably not your favorite person. I'm here with your dad right now. He wanted us to ask, do you need help? Um, so you sense that it goes through, and then uh, you hear back from him. Tell him I'll be there soon. Dude, we the are family firing safe. on all cylinders. <laughs> there are okay. so many things that are being qu- resolved so quickly. That. Hey, great work, team. Uh, hey, Davian, just heard from Erwin. He says he'll be there soon. Uh, the family's safe. And Davian lets out a sigh of relief and says, Fuck, this is a good <laughs> day. Um, and he takes a big pull on his wine. Yo, give me some skin, Kakabee. And I, I reach <laughs> out for a high five. I high five back. It's epic. Uh, it's, so it's an epic The, the Burgermaster looks at the three of you and says, Listen... I can, we can outfit you with good furs. Do that, if you yes. Want to head south. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, All right. Yeah. Does Lysodon feel weird wearing fur? Unless it's tabaxi fur now. Got... <laughs> yeah. Do, okay. Do you have any fur that would fit on a chicken? He. Uh, I, I feel like the chicken's gonna be fine. Feathers <laughs> are great. He laughs and says, uh, "I'm sure we can come up with something. Cool. Maybe like a, just a hat." Kakabi, we got to talk about this chicken situation at some point. So are these like you mean you got stuff that we can just take now, or is are you saying that there's something that you could put together? I'm I'm saying that I think that if you come back with me, that we can get you on the road tonight or tomorrow morning, whichever you like, fully equipped. Okay. Nice. Sure. We'll, let, we'll let's do, do that. that then. I think. All right. No, that that would be good. Um, Plus, that means we can help escort in case something goes wrong anyway, so it's probably yes. for the best. Yeah. That, that is yeah. perfect. Um, it will, I'm afraid it will add a little bit of length to your journey. Whatever. But, we'll trap here anyway, so... 
Fuck it. Um, and he, he gives a kind of half smile at that and says, well, suddenly being trapped here doesn't seem quite so bleak. Stop saying that until it's done. <laughs> now that everything is fine and everything is going to be okay, then my life yeah. is perfect Daddy and nothing can go wrong. Dadian is uh, swaying back and forth. He says, man, I think it's going to be smooth sailing from here on out. I mean, really, what could go wrong? <laughs> what yeah. could possibly go wrong? Everything's so perfect right now, and it will remain as such <laughs> in perpetuity. And, uh, the Burgermaster looks at Dadian and says, well... I'm going to head back and give the village the good news. Um, I'll plan on us setting out tomorrow morning. Um, is that all right? And uh, Daddy nods and says, "Can't wait, bro. It's gonna be fucking tight, bro. Heckin' lit. Okay, g- great. All right, so, yeah, let's get, let's go. So you're still. It's about noon now. Um, you've you've had a bit to eat." And uh, so you get a full belly, and you've had some wine. You're feeling pretty good, and uh, a lot of um, a lot of things just got resolved. Um, and and so spirits are high, especially you know when you look at uh, Davian and the Burgermaster. They both seem happier than you've you've ever seen either of them. And uh, they uh, they give each other a hug, and the Burgermaster tells Davian that he'll. He'll probably be back tomorrow, and with people in tow. And um, they both seem pretty happy about that. And then the Burgermaster looks at the group of you and says, Okay, I'm ready if you are. Let's do it. Let's get you those first. Let's roll. Let's get your and people to safety. Eisen's pumped, because he, he, he's going to be a real barbarian now with a bunch <laughs> of pelts. Nice. I imagine you've been rolling around with, like, the, the loincloth get up. Yeah, I have, a, I have an apron, and that's just... It's because uh, if you remember, Eisen is a master chef. Oh, I did not yeah. remember that. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's canon though. Wow. Um, he, he's got this. He's got this uh, cool, cool dish called pottage. It's uh, you've made this walk several times by now. It it's only a few hours um, to get back up to uh, to Kresk. As you approach the gate, um, the guards recognizing you and the burgomaster uh, salute him and open the gate, letting you all in. Um, and, you know, as you approached, you could see one of the one of the guards that was uh, walking the crenellated parapet, um, you know, like, runs um, as if he's relaying a message. And by the time the gate opens, the burgomaster's wife is standing there waiting for you. And she runs into his arms, um, and he embraces her and kisses her and tells her, I have great news. We're we're going to the winery. The Martikovs are taking us in, and we'll work with them. And she seems a little confused, but mostly just happy, elated by this news. Um, and um, he looks at the group of you and says, um, "Let me make the rounds very quickly. Get some, get people packing their things. There shouldn't be much." And then we'll get you those first. Is it your intention to set out today or tomorrow morning? How about we see you tomorrow safely to the winery yeah. first and then... Uh, yeah, we'll get you back and then we'll head out. Yeah. He nods and, and says, thank you. Well... Because if we go with I'll, you, uh, nothing bad will happen. And if we don't, you'll get set upon by every horrible thing in, the, in this forest. So it's better for us to just be there. He 
you know, does kind of an exasperated, like, head-shaking thing and says, You're probably right, and we could certainly use the help, so thank you. And um, he sets off at a brisk pace to um, go talk with the heads of the households and, and get those wheels in motion, leaving you, um, leaving you standing there at the gate. And um, his wife looks at you and says, Thank you. No problem. It's this what is a we good do. thing that you've done. We do lots of good things. <laughs> yeah, people seem to forget that. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was, it's like the what's the thing? Like, oh man, you know, you can do a billion good things, but you fuck a horse one time, and then you're just that <laughs> guy who fucks horses. <laughs> yeah. But you come no. down from the abbey with somebody screaming at the top one time, and that's yeah. all they remember. Speaking of which, I do want to listen and see if the if there's any screaming. I want to perk my ear up a little bit uh you don't hear anything right now yes no but in all honesty you know we you know it's a we take the opportunity to do good things when we can and this was uh as far as i'm concerned this is a pretty easy win so uh i'm I'm glad that uh i'm glad that you guys have come to a decision and i hope it it does work out um she looks at you and says i uh i'm glad you brought him back safe and um she quickly turns and um, walks back to the house and you can uh, see that she looks like she's doing the same thing everyone else is now just trying to figure out what to take and what to leave do, do, do. Uh, uh, Light of Dawn pulls out his guitar and starts drumming <laughs> while we're waiting I guess Cockabee's gonna kind of find a quiet place and then um, it's gonna send a message to Arena mm. okay um, could you paste, or there's a button in, a like, D&D Beyond that'll allow you to send the spell into the chat. Can you do that? I, I did. Yep. Okay. You send a short message of 25 words or less to a creature with which you are familiar. The creature hears the message in its mind and recognizes you as the sender if it knows you, and can answer in a like manner immediately. The spell enables creatures with intelligence scores of at least one to understand the meaning of your message. So even Eisen can understand it. <laughs> even Eisen. Any distance and even other planes. Wow. The target is on a different plane than you. There is a 5% chance that the message doesn't arrive. Oh, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Okay, so the way I'm doing this is, from your experience, you know that um, like you can, you can basically feel it bounce. If it does bounce. Okay. I can feel it. And, <sighs> and it bounces. Do do do. She's dead. The number, <laughs> the number yeah. you would call it cannot be completed as <laughs> dialed. Uh. So you, you know, you go find a quiet place and you think about what you want to say. What do you say? Um. Hey, hey Arena, it, it's Cockabee. I just wanted to check in. Uh, turns out the Abbey wasn't the safest place. We gave the money back. Hope you're well. And. And and nothing. Right, and and so normally what you're accustomed to is it's it's less of a I guess it's less of a you feel it bounce and it's more of a you can feel it connect. Yeah. Usually. And in this case, you you visualize Arena, you can see her face, you can hear her voice in your mind, and you hold that memory and you send the message to it. And it just doesn't go anywhere. And after a minute you you realize that there is no 
There's nowhere for it to go, and the realization hits you that um, something is wrong. It, uh, that hits Cockabee really hard. Um, he just sits down and has has trouble processing this. Um, yeah, I think he's he's gonna sit there quietly by himself um, for like fifteen or twenty minutes, and then he'll he'll say a quick prayer. Um, you know, hoping she found peace in the grave, and then he'll he'll go and and tell the others. Hmm. Hey, so uh, got in touch with Arena? How's yeah, she what, what did she have to say? <laughs> Guys, Arena's gone. How oh. how do you know? I, I I can tell. Like I when I when I send messages, I can I can feel them on the other side, and and this message, I could picture Arena. I remembered her. I'm you know I knew her. But I, I just couldn't find her. There was hmm. there was no one there for the message to go to. What if she's just in a place that uh, like wards off these things or something? I I don't. I mean, like I I, I don't. You know everything about how this works. You know, I just kind of like get these spells from you know Kelimvor. But I I think to do that, she would have to go somewhere not Barovia, and I don't think that's possible. So there's no other thing in the world that can block a sending spell? No other anti-magic fields or anything like that? I mean, I suppose if it was like... I don't know. I guess maybe an anti-magic field, but... Right. I'm not saying it's super the... likely, but I'm, I'm just saying that it could be that she is alive somewhere and just in a place where she cannot communicate for whatever reason. Uh, both of you guys give me arcana checks. Aizen's also going to do this. He's an expert. <laughs> Excellent. Minus two uh, to arcana checks. <laughs> it's an eight for Kakavi. It's a nineteen for Light of Dawn. The smartest man okay. in the world. So, Isaac actually knows a little bit about how this works, I guess. Yeah, so Kakavi, you just—you're really not sure. Like that doesn't sound right to you, but you don't—you know that now that you think about it, you don't really understand how this stuff works. Um, but but you know it didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, Eisen, you're a uh, like. You've probably seen before that, you know, casters take credit for all kinds of capability, but then things don't go quite right and they invent all kinds of like elaborate and esoteric reasons why maybe it didn't work, but, or maybe they, Mm -hmm. why they didn't get the indication they expected, but maybe it did actually work after all. Um, and then, uh, Light of Dawn, you know that this is more of a cope than anything else. Like, it is very unlikely that any of those factors that you described are in play here and that far and away the most likely reason that this failed is that she's dead. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. Well, listen, listen. I'm not saying that it is definitely the case that she is still alive and you are wrong. I'm just saying that we shouldn't just immediately dismiss the possibility that she is alive simply because this one spell did not work. You know what I mean? I think pessimism is warranted, but, you know, we shouldn't discount the possibility that she is in fact alive. Yeah, maybe just try try again later, and maybe it'll be different. I don't know. Yeah, lots of things yeah. that stop magic out there. I tell you, uh, I'll try again. We'll see what happens. All right. Cockabee like tries to put on a brave face, like yeah, maybe, but inside he's like, no, like she's she's dead. Yeah. So this is really tying you up in knots, um, because you know, for the first time, like someone you knew well, someone really. Like, seemingly pure, and and maybe more importantly to some of you, someone that you were entrusted with. Yeah. Um, 
has died. And so you keep playing that kind of scene back in your minds where you watched her walk away. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, Light of Dawn's guitar song starts to become a bit more melancholy, but uh, <laughs> he's, he's like, I mean, there, there's nothing we can do right now about it. Um, I, I, I think what goes through Cockabee's mind is he, he kind of realizes, like, we have to succeed or we've sacrificed her for nothing. Oh, okay. We didn't sacrifice yeah, her. Let's, let's right. Yeah, let's not go crazy here. We, uh, yeah, okay. We, we, uh, I don't think we did anything. I mean, could we have done things this differently? Is a, this is, this is Cockabee's internal monologue. Well, you're wrong. You're, you're, allowed, monologue. you're allowed to have Listen, whatever feelings you want. internal monologue and says, <laughs> fuck you. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, uh, Light of Dawn becomes slightly more resolute, but he's still, he's clinging on to the hope that maybe she isn't dead. Okay. Despite his high intellect telling him he's probably wrong, he says, well, there is still hope. And after that cheery turn of events, um, the burgomaster comes back to you, all smiles, and says, people are getting ready. I, uh, I think we may be ready by tonight, but it's still probably wise to wait until the morning. Uh, you are probably correct. Traveling at night is, uh, it's bad, like, everywhere, but especially here. He, uh, like, rubs his hands together and says, All right, let's, uh, let's fix you up with some furs, then. All right. Sounds good. Lead um, the way. And he heads, he takes you back to his home. Um, and he says, I know I have, I have some, and I, I know a couple of places to check if, if we don't have enough for all of you. Um... And he kind of sizes you up, and um, he lays out... Um, so, a couple of things here. He's got, like, cold-weather boots, um, and then big, like, basically gloves, and then um, large... They look like capes. I mean, it's like a mantle. Um, something that you could wrap around yourself. You could sleep in it. Um, and uh, he says... I, uh, wait here. I'll, uh, I know where to check for some more. Um, but I, I think this one will fit, uh, will fit you, eyes. Um, and so between, between the boots and the cape, you can see that this is, uh, looks like a perfect fit. Nice. That, so that way, you know, you, you could stay bare-chested, you know? Okay, good, yeah. Um, that, that's You just have, like, the important. thick leather straps going across your chest, that's it? Right. But they're fur. <laughs> Excellent. You know? Um, and then uh, a few minutes later, he returns with one that looks like it'll fit, uh, like sim- similar clothing along with, um, kind of, uh, like a tunic, um, that looks like it'll fit Light of Dawn. This will match my fur perfectly. And then, um, for Kakabi, he looks at you and he bites his lip and then he, um, opens up the closet again and brings out what looks like a miniature version of what he's already wearing um and he says um this was my son's um it is good that it will see you see and he hands it to you and then walks away thank um, you yeah cockabee just kind of quietly takes it with reverence cockabee's getting uh, just emotionally abused <laughs> <today. laughs> okay. okay um so uh, with that, you know, you as you guys walk outside, you can see that people are getting ready. People are loading up. Um, I mean, you'd already seen this, but not a lot in the way of material possessions here, but 
mostly things like tools, small keepsakes. Um, those are being loaded onto little carts, like hand carts. Um, you know, most people here don't have things like horses or anything like that. And uh, the the burgomaster circles back around to you and says, "Yes, we will be. We'll be ready to leave in the morning." And I expect that we will be able to get just about everything in the in one trip. Great. Okay. Um, Sounds like a plan. It will be slow going, um, but if we leave at daybreak, we should be there by lunchtime. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Solid. Yeah. Let's do it. Easy peasy. Right. And uh, he again, he's just beaming. He says, "You know, I I hope we will be able to come back someday, but." I am. I'm just happy that we're going to survive this. Sure. Once again, we caution you not to count your chickens before they hatch. He. I, I know. I. Uh, I can't help it. I just. <laughs> okay. Well. Well, that sounds like a you problem. Let's get going. <laughs> let's let's cool. get going to bed so that yeah, we can wake yeah. up tomorrow. <laughs> let's go to bed. <laughs> um. We've been walking a lot today, so. Yeah. Um. So, uh, the sun sets. Uh. And you, uh, your bunks are still ready. The cots that they'd laid out for you at the burgomaster's place. And um, you're able to bed down for the night, and it's, uh, it's comfortable. And in the morning, um, you can hear the burgomaster and his wife waking up. Is there anything that you guys want to do before getting on the road? Nope. Uh, when- I don't think there's anything to do here. When Kakabi wakes up, he's gonna he's gonna send another sending spell. Um, he's just gonna say, uh, "Arena, are are you there?" Um, and then not hear anything back. He's just gonna dejectedly continue with his day. <laughs> you should send a message to um, what's his name, the guy who chased after her. See if he knows anything. Oh, Isaac. Isaac, yeah, that's the one. If anyone would know, it would be him, right? <laughs> And as you guys are sitting there talking about this, um, the burgomaster claps you on the shoulder and says, We're ready. Let's go. And uh, as you walk outside, you can see that sure enough, yeah, everybody's ready. Um, people are lined up outside um, by the gate. Um, and uh, the burgomaster addresses everyone and he says, Listen, once we open this gate, it's going to stay open. So, this is your last chance to collect anything that you think we may need out there, because there's no guarantee that when we come back, it'll still be here. Why, wait, wait, wait. Why, uh, why not close it on the way out? Because it's not the way the gate works. I can, I can do that. Don't worry about in. that. Uh, well, my, my point is we won't be able to get back in. Oh, sure. Okay. Eisen is shaking his head because this is about to be like a, a very powerful like this is it guys you know point of no return <laughs> and then by the time it's like oh wait, wait, wait hold on well actually well actually well I think it's yeah. unnecessary melodrama like you could totally get back in the, the walls Eisen are not totally impenetrable stomps but on Light of Dawn's foot it's out it's just stupid right, yeah, so this, uh, this incredible like emotional moment is is undercut um undercut by its obvious stupidity i agree <laughs> and uh and the uh i uh 
Okay, I guess everyone has everything they need. Great. And then turns around and starts walking. Oh, I'm so sorry. Your silly little message got lost. Oh, God. Slow clap. Light of of dawn uh, (laughs) goes through the gate, closes it, and then warps back out. It creaks a lot. (laughs) (laughs) You guys are ridiculous. (laughs) Wait, don't you warp uh, to a random spot? What if you, like, warp to another spot behind the gate? No, I, I use I use a uh, misty step. Okay. Uh, so this is like the um, it's like the passage to Helm's Deep, where it's just like a bunch of like old people and small children, um, mm-hmm. and it's really slow, uh, and so you're you're not able to walk at nearly the the brisk pace that you're accustomed to, and. Uh, people seem more curious about you now than they were previously because, I mean, you think because you've been like, they know that you are in some way responsible for this and you seem to have been endorsed by the Burgermaster's family. Um, but despite the obvious curiosity, um, no one seems to want to like address you directly, either out of deference or like you're not really sure like people keep looking at you a lot and not in an unkind way but nobody like strikes up a conversation with you I'm uh Leonard Don is playing his guitar as, as they walk along and he's, he keeps trying to get people to like sing along he's like hey anybody know this one <laughs> starts like singing a singing a Rush song or something mm-hmm. uh, and then, then nobody seems to be joining him they don't know the sounds the songs of his people apparently and, that's uh, pretty bold of you to try to get people to sing along to a Rush song that you're mm-hmm. Like they're, they're, you know, they're trying to walk here, and you're, you're playing here, all kinds I'm of stuff in like weird mixed time signatures and, <laughs> uh-huh. um, it's like very confusing. Uh, Eisen starts playing some cherry popping daddies and everybody joins in on that. Oh, wow. Here comes the snake. Um, yeah, so. Kakabi goes, you know, how about some good old hymns? Let's sing some good old hymns. So, no. <laughs> is, is he gonna sing some some like very morbid? Yeah, yeah. Like de- like, you know how a lot of um, I guess like popular at least in Protestant churches like music is it's almost like love songs, um, but to Jesus and it, like to the point of sometimes being a little bit awkward. It's like that, but with death. Yeah, I, uh, I, I imagine like this it's... yearning for death. Yep, I imagine um, it's just like this yearning for death and like. Songs about like sealing the wicked and the 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 gray wall or whatever it's called. I mean, you know, just good stuff like that. Right, and it's like kind of it's frightening if you like pay attention <laughs> to what's being said. Yeah. Um, yeah, and and so with the three of you singing, you know, very different types of songs, um, it's really off-putting and confusing to everybody. Um, and the burgomaster is just like, oh look, we're here. Because we're, we're all playing them, like, in a circle around him, so he's just getting, like, belted at by, like, all these very different tones and songs. Like, all right, well, thank you very much for bringing us this far. We appreciate it. We were actually thinking about putting <laughs> um, on a show tonight as a morale booster. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. I think you want to get on your way right away. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we could. Um, and, uh, no, but seriously, he tells you, all right, so, like I said, um, you can either, well... You're going to want to head north from here, and then hook around back right to your south when you get to the intersection, and eventually follow that follow that road through Swalich Woods long enough, and it will put you on a mountain road 
that is Solenka Pass. And after that, I really can't tell you anymore. Well, I see where your head's at, Kakabi. What you're saying is instead of taking, like, five miles, we can just cut, like, half a mile through this forest right here. Yeah, like, it, it seems like a good place to cut through, or, I, I mean, I don't know, maybe even, like, right there. You know, looking at our map. And he, uh, he's looking at the map with you, and he says, I just caution you, the woods are dangerous. I know, I know you're capable, I've been out with you before, but would it not be wiser to stick to the road? Shortcuts make for long delays. <laughs> oh, thank you for that wisdom, Isaac. Okay, you're right. We will, we will just say. <laughs> he just he puts a monocle on and sits down. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Never take shortcut, guys, because uh, it might be bad. Um, sir, we'll take the road. Why not? Right. Uh, the burgomaster looks at you and just says, "You might regret it later." Oh, that's a good good point. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great decision-making criteria. Okay, sure. Let's uh, let's let's hit the road, Jack. And don't you come back no more. So, except we will be back. And um, oh, that's right. We'll we'll come back. Yeah. Uh huh. We need to say hi to the Martha cops when they arrive. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, say say hi to Irwin for us. Yeah. Tell Irwin about how much we've helped you. <laughs> yeah. Tell him to stop being such a fucking prick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't actually say that. I don't. No, Erwin's Ar- Ar- a good yeah. guy, and uh, you know he has a legitimate grievance uh, with us. But uh, you know, hopefully he will come around. Tell your son to quit being such an asshole. Gosh, he's a good oh, you know guy. You know what's fun? When Erwin told us, basically when he kicked us out, we were denying having stolen the stuff, and then he's gonna. You know, he's going to come over here and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you get the other, like a bunch of gold that they gave back and a sun sword. And everyone's going to be like, oh, okay. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> yep. Yeah. No, we, we, yeah. We did deny it, right? We yes, said we, that. We totally it wasn't denied us. it. Uh, yeah, we're like, we don't, I don't know what you're talking about, but we were yeah, looking oh. for the outhouse. Yeah. The jig is up. Um, yeah. No, no, no. We definitely. Fooled, but now we can't even pretend. Yeah. We were wrong. Uh, more specifically, I was wrong. That That's on me. Um, well, but we're uh, a team, so we're wrong together. Okay, sure. Uh, that's a very uh, good solidarity. But anyway, you know, they'll, they'll come around. And when we give the rest of the stuff back, so... They weren't using the sword. Anyway, we've been over this. They'll they'll come around. They'll, they'll be friends with us. They like us. Just think of all the good times. I'm sure, sure there were some of them. I don't know. <laughs> Just think of all the good times when we get back to our homes. Uh, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure they miss me at the temple. I, I'm oh, certainly. <laughs> <laughs> they knew who you were for sure. <laughs> okay, boys, let's roll. Okay, so you set off. It's uh, about lunchtime. Um, the uh, before you leave, Davian comes by and he gives you um, a pretty good loadout of. Um, he gives e- each of you a couple of loaves of bread, some cheese, um, some dried meat. And some skins of Red Dragon Crush. Sweet. Um, Sick. This is lit. And he says, yeah, man, there's going to be a lot more of that when you get back. Cool. Awesome. I I hope it it. works out for you. Anyway, thanks for accepting the uh, the citizens of Koresh into your your establishment. Um, We got plenty of work for man. Yeah. This is is good, though. It's, It's not often that we have something tie off this nicely so 
Yeah, usually everything is like burning when we leave it, so this was uh, pretty sweet. Okay, and with that, you set off. Um, so, you know, just as described earlier, you head north along the road. Um, by, you know, early afternoon, you've hit the intersection and uh, you start heading back down. Um, you know, you hook around, you're heading to the south, and at the at the outset, this looks about like every other bit of Swalich which you've been through. It's dark, it's gloomy, it's, you know, mysterious, and on the one hand, it's not like there's thick undergrowth or anything, because it's just not the way Barovia is, but on the, like, the, the mist it effectively serves a similar role in terms of visibility, and so you still can't see very far, and the shapes of the trees, you know, always have you... Like turning around, thinking you you might have seen something, and then you realize, well, maybe you didn't, but it's hard to say. Um, but after a while, um, you realize that you're crunching through more frost. The air is getting cold, um, and the elevation is uh, increasing. And light of dawn pops the collar on his cloak. Yeah, you are very grateful to have these furs now. Um, you know, for, for those of you that have the, well, all three of you have these capes and pulling them around you makes a big difference. Um, and you know, you're going to be particularly grateful when it's, um, when it's, uh, what am I thinking? When it's time to sleep. Nighttime. Nighttime. Yes. When the sun (laughs) is gone. I'm trying, I lost my notes here. When the sun is more gone than normal. (laughs) Right. When the sun is less when the sun is less and visible. more down, yeah. <laughs> um, sun is obscured by the earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, when we are in the what is it, the penumbra of the yeah. uh, of the. Well, we're not on Earth though, so and isn't this That's flat? True. Um, like the the world that we're in is a flat world, I believe, right? Because it's like normal. No, it's like a Super Mario Galaxy, like very small planet. Uh. Um, <laughs> You can jump from one planet to the right, next. Right, there's like yeah. very visible curvature. <laughs> uh, but there's still people who think it's flat, though. Yeah. Uh, no, so at some point, um, the trees begin to thin out um, as the elevation gets high enough. And then um, the trail turns from mud to stone. And, and there's kind of a gradual... Um, change until now you're you're effectively on a shelf you're on one of those mountain roads where it's it's like just a shelf carved into the side of the mountain um and it is not wide like it varies from you know some at some places you know a dozen feet to others only two or three Um, oh my goodness boys watch your step this is dangerous for the most part you are you are walking single file uh what order are you in Light of Dawn at the front, of course. No, actually, Eisen I think Eisen should be at the front uh, yeah, because he has the best survival. And as you climb, not only does the air grow colder, but the wind picks up. Um, the mist, um, you know, and by this point you expect nothing less. The mist, despite the air being very cold and you knowing this is not how mist normally works, remains. Um, but uh, you, the, the forest is now given way to icy stony cliffs um and even the muted greens and browns that you were used to in the forested parts of barovia now every it's it's like it's like you're living in grayscale um 
Well, if you'll remember from session one, uh, Latterdon is colorblind, so he's always living in grayscale. Hmm. Or he's living in monochrome, I guess we should say. And so after you follow this path for a while, the sun sets. Um, And it has now grown dark enough that... Well, actually, which of you have uh, night vision? All of us have night vision. All of us. All of us, Everyone does. Or dark vision. Dark vision, right. Um, Yeah. Yeah, so you, I mean, you can see well enough to make your way, um, but uh, you're beginning to get pretty tired. We should probably take a rest, boys. Uh, I guess just, like, lean up against the, the mountain wall and don't roll when you sleep. <laughs> yes, yeah. there's, like, a spot where we can, I don't know, at least have half cover from the wind. Uh, give me a survival check. Oh, survival. yeah. Right, so I- anyone who's looking for, like, better accommodations here, give me a survival check. A 19 for Kakabi. 14 for Light of Dawn and Aizen. Okay, so Kakabi, you begin um, looking into the, like running your hand along the cliff face, trying to figure out, um, I I mean, it looks pretty sheer, like the the rock wall along which you're walking, Um, but you wonder if maybe there's something you could climb up to, um, because you can see that the, the wall is somewhat irregular, and... After a few minutes of looking, you find um, it's almost like bowl-shaped, kind of a depression that uh, if you climb up about 20 feet, you, there's a bowl with about like room for the three of you that cuts out a lot of the wind. Hey, hey guys, um, up, up here. I, I grew up in the mountains, so I kind of know how to find places like this. Here, coming up, we'll, we'll get some shelter. Sweet, I don't know shit about right. the mountains. Yeah, good. You... I'll, I'll follow you. Yeah, come on. watch your step. Here, uh, there should be. Light on falls off a cliff and dies. Ah! <laughs> All right, and uh, there's nothing soft here. You know, the the like sleeping on a bed of moss kind of that is not going to happen here. Um, so you have bed rolls in your packs, and between that and the furs, you can at least stay reasonably warm. Um, although, I mean, as soon as you lay down. Despite being wrapped in the fur, you can feel the ground just yeah. stealing your warmth. It just it immediately just <laughs> body temperature plummets. Go, guys, we right. need to snuggle for a warmth. I, yeah. <laughs> that, this is going to be a necessity. Uh, do you guys want to do anything else? Nah, there, there's nothing nah. going to attack us up here. We just need to stay warm and survive the night. Hmm. Okay. Um, so between the three of you, you know, you sit down and you're able to, you know, stretch out and. You know, massage your legs and things like that, and um, you laying your bed rolls down. You're able to sit for a while and just relax for a minute before you go to sleep. You bring out, uh, break off some of the bread. It's this thick, um, hard bread, and and you like eating it. You know, okay, this is it tastes pretty good, but really the point is it's dense and it's filling, and. Um, between More that and the cheese limits. and the dried meat, it's uh, this is a pretty good meal. This is better eating than you've done in a long time. Um, and, uh, you know, you can make your own food, and that's all very functional. But despite this being, like, road food, it's it's nice to have something different. Um, oh, yeah, I should probably prepare, create food and water. All right. <laughs> Remember that for tomorrow. And... Um, are you guys going to be standing watch? Uh, yes. Uh, I yeah, think we... Sh- then, all right. Okay. Then, uh, 
After making that determination, you all go to sleep. And you wake up the next morning. <sighs> so well rested. Yeah, what's so, up, guys? As you wake up, I mean, there's this cold gray light uh, that, that wakes you up. And, um, and thunder. It's weird. Um, you know, it's like one of those dry thunderstorms. Um, but you can hear the rumbling. And at first you wonder if it's rocks, but then you see the lightning as well. Um, and as you stand up and you pull the fur off of you, you realize how cold it is. It is... Holy shit, boys. Um, <laughs> Are you as cold as I am? Like, Jesus Oh Christ. my god, it's cold. This is something else. Um, and, and, you know, it's one of those, like, where you you are just can't help but think it was a mistake to get up at all. Um, but, you know, you've got to get a move on. And so you get up and you roll up your bedrolls and you, you pack things up. Um, you uh, get a little more food in you. And then um, it's time to climb back down and get on the road. So Goldie Hen has, has dropped down. She's not riding on Cockabee's head anymore. She's riding in, like, the hood of his fur coat. Mm. That chicken is going to be the death of you one day. <clears throat> well, she saved my life, so... Care to share what the, uh, the story is? I, uh... I was, I was in a rough place at the time, and, I don't know, taking care of her gave me something to focus on. How old is she? I, like, four years old. Wow, all right. I, I think that's reasonable for a chicken. Oh, Five to know. ten years is the lifespan. I just looked it up. Oh, there we go. <clears throat> All right. So, um, it seems that the farther you go, the narrower the path becomes. And so now you're regularly reaching points where there's, you know, between like five feet and one feet of shelf. Oh, my. Good thing I'm a cat. Um, the shell... Or the shelf of rock on which the mountain road clings grows narrow. To your left, the icy cliffs rise sharply toward dark, rolling clouds. To your right, the ground falls away into a sea of fog. Ahead, through the wind and snow, you see a high wall of black stone, lined with spikes and topped by statues of demonic vultures with horned heads. Set in the center of the wall, is a closed iron portcullis, behind which burns a curtain of green flame. On the other side of the dark wall, gripping the mountain's edge, is a guard tower of white stone, topped by golden statues of mighty warriors. So, um, between like the very thin gray light and the, uh, um, just the sort of gray scale, but the stark green coloring of the flame. This is very, like, Minas Morgul looking. Okay. Um, I'm trying to pull up a picture of this. Floor. So are we by the Selenka Pass bridge here? Is that where we've we've come to? Yes. Super spooky looking. Ooh. So imagine, cool. imagine Minas Morgul, but set into the side of an icy mountain. And All at right. this point, snow is coming down around you as well. Very cinematic. Eisen will approach. Yeah, as will Light of Dawn. Okay. Um, Cockaby will follow the others, and he'll do his, um, he'll, like, close his eyes and open them again, and they're this this dark green color, uh, and he'll do Eyes of the Grave to sense the presence of undead. Um, okay, you, you don't currently sense any undead. Okay. 
So what's the deal with this flame? Can we see through it at all? Is it translucent in any way? Um, so it looks like it... The, the flame, the curtain of flame, fills the archway of the gatehouse. Um, and uh, as you approach, do you walk all the way up to the portcullis? I want to throw something at the fire first. Okay. Like a stone or a stick or something. Gotcha. So <laughs> I, have for a, scale, I have a torch, an unlit torch. As you approach the portcullis... Um, it's, uh, the gatehouse, um, the gatehouse itself is 30 feet high, and the adjoining walls are about 20 feet high and lined with the stone spikes that you can see in the illustration. Um, so, you get close and you say you, you throw a torch into it? Yeah. How close do you get? Uh, 30 feet. Okay. Um, you throw the, you throw your torch in, you get it through the portcullis, It lands in the wall of green flame, and it catches on fire, um, and quickly burns to a crisp. That's disconcerting. Aizen looks at Light of Dawn and says, can't you just do that misty step thing and just walk through it? Well, I don't even think I need to do that. I can climb walls. Um, That's true. And you see his little cat claws come out and retract. So I've got a climbing speed of 20. Can I just climb over like the wall, the castle wall that's to the left of the door? Um, so the, both the the stone wall, like the, the cliff face next to the wall, and the, like the brick, the stone brick wall of the, the gatehouse are very slick. Um, and without additional like climbing tools or something like that, you're not going to be able to climb. Okay. Can I tell if the uh, top part is is there a uh, um, is there a parapet up there? <laughs> All right. Actually, let me. I'm actually not sure how this works. So you have a climbing speed as a tabaxi. Is that right? That is correct. Does that replace? Like, does that mean you don't need climbing tools? Let me let me see what the tabaxi race thing says. Because all I wrote down is climbing speed. Um, so give me one sec. Gotcha. I think it probably means just because of the way speeds work is that normally when you're climbing you would it would take half your movement but if you have a climbing speed you can just move as normal when you climb yeah right i i think i, have I a think climbing you're right speed about of that 20. Um, let, me, let me see if, let okay me right yeah so we'll we'll say that unless you have the tools you uh you go you put a hand on this wall and you realize you're not going to be able to get over it um okay so for the uh the wall, does it look like there's a space on top to walk? No, I mean, the, the spikes look like they are large enough and set far enough apart that if you were able to get that high, you could just squeeze through them and get to the other side. Is um, the uh, is the portcullis down? It is. Okay. Well, actually, so where where are you guys standing right now? I guess right in front of it. Um, yeah. Okay, like- so actually, as as Light of Dawn moves up, to feel the wall to see if you can scale it, the portcullis opens. It shrieks. You hear the sound of metal on metal, and the portcullis appears to rise all on its own. Is the fire still there? The fire is still there. Uh, let me let me try this. And uh, and Cockaby is going to cast dispel magic on the fire. Okay. It extinguishes. Sweet. I walk through. All right. Cool. We I did it. I was digging the green. That was a good good color. Yeah. All right, and with that, uh, the three of you walk through, and you are past the fire. We did it. Hey, let's check out this cool tower. Um, Excellent. 
Yeah, this is a pretty neat, I mean, although the sculptures, honestly, to be honest with you, most of the sculptures we've encountered here in Barovia have been kind of off-putting. Oh, sure. But they look at the architecture, though. It is, like, very sturdy looking. Looks it, well it built, is. well crafted. And frankly, uh, like, if, if there aren't any better options, <laughs> I'd like to stay indoors tonight, if possible. It's still pretty early yeah, in the day, point. isn't it? But, I mean, yeah, this is, man, this this got to be, like, dwarven made, right? It's it's Dwemer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's Dwemer. Oh, <laughs> Dwemer. All these golden uh, uh, robots <laughs> coming out and attacking us. <laughs> robots. Dancing robots. Robot. So I just posted a map. I see it. Um, so walking through, you're now on a, a slightly wider shelf than the road that you'd seen before, and there's a bridge coming up. Okay. Uh, but to your right, there is a watchtower. It's the tower that you can see in the illustration. Right. Um, so what do you want to do? I want to go inside the tower. Okay, so the tower door is shut. And it's a stout door made of wood and bound with iron, barred from the inside based on your pushing on it. Okay, I want to try to use Misty Step to warp inside it. Okay, uh, that succeeds. And then I want to open the door. All right. Yeah, so there's a, um, you know, there's like a beam on the inside. You're able to lift it up and open the door, and the other two can join you inside. Hey, boys. Inside, a cold hearth stands across from the door, the wind howling down its chimney. A stone staircase is on the south wall. Three windows look out over a foggy sea. And you can see a, you know, the staircase, it's just a kind of wraparound, like circular staircase up to another level. Hey, Eisen, uh, I think I see some trees off to the uh, northeast. Do you want to go see if we can get some firewood and get the fire started? My hands are freezing. <laughs> yeah, that's probably a good idea. Uh, I'll go. I'll go grab some. Okay, Kakabi, you want to explore this place and see what's going on? Yeah, let's go up to the next floor. This is pretty cool. Uh, maybe check the chimney to make sure the flue is open. Oh, that's a good point. I stick my head in the, the fireplace and look up. Uh, the flue is open. Sweet. Excellent. All right, uh, yeah, let's, let's, see, let's see what's upstairs. The upper level of the tower is an ice box with windows set in almost every wall. A rusted iron ladder bolted to the floor and ceiling leads up to a wooden trap door. Mounted above the stone hearth is a dire wolf's head. Ooh, spooky. The wind coming down the chimney howls in its stead. Let's go up the ladder. Okay, yeah, uh, so I think first floor is definitely where we want to be at. It's, it's a nice box in yeah, there. Yeah, no doubt. Mm-hmm. I am fucking freezing. But let's see what's up top and then I, head back down to the warmth. Uh, this will be funny. We can, like, yell things at... Uh, at Eisen, yeah, we can make fun Eisen, of his performance. Yeah, that yeah that'd be fun. Now, his, his name is Eisen. Uh, Light of Dawn <laughs> I get climbs up the iron here. ladder and pushes open the, uh, the, the wooden trap door in the ceiling, which uh-huh. opens with a squeal and reveals a rooftop. And... The stormy gray sky. Ten foot tall, gold plated statues stand atop the battlements, facing outward. Each one depicts a female human knight holding a lance. The cold wind stirs the snow under which you see human skeletons clad in rusty mail. Oh my. I want to, like, kind of brush off the snow um, and see if there's anything important going on here. Sure. So, a little more scene setting. The, this, the roof that you're standing on is about 40 feet high. And 540 feet above the valley below, the misty valley below. Um, wow. And uh, as you brush snow off these skeletons, you can see that um, 
They look like guards based on the scraps of clothing that remain. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you find tattered bits of cloth, broken longbows, arrows, rusted blades, and ruined sheaths, and rusty chain. It's all pretty rusty. Hey, uh, I can talk to the dead. Can you think of anything we could ask him? And ask five questions. Oh, uh, we could ask, you know, who were you? What were you doing here? How did you die? Um, what's your favorite food? I like that. Okay, that's a good idea. Um, gonna, I'm gonna set up my candles and start burning some incense. And then um, I'm gonna pick a corpse. Uh, and I guess it's a skeleton. Now, what and, are the uh, rules with Speak With Dead? Is there a certain time that, you know, if, it, like, uh, if it's more it's than gotta... 100 years or something? I don't know. There's no time. Oh, interesting. Yeah, it's you can only do it once every 10 days to the same corpse. Mm. Well, while you guys figure out what you want to ask, I'm going to switch to Aizen. Um, Aizen is chopping trees. Okay, so just to be clear, the, the path that is available, um, like as you walk out... You know, as you walk through the portcullis and you're out on that kind of lip, the road that hugs the side. Oh, you're talking about the two trees that are just south of the bridge? The Just yeah, west of the bridge, the, but yes. Sure. Okay, not down in the valley. That seems like it would be harder to get to. I just want right. to get something quick for, for a fire. Okay, right. So, yeah, as, as you walk out onto the bridge, you can see that the valley is, you know, 500 feet below, down a sheer drop. So... There are a couple of um, what look to be pine trees um, that are on the same level as you, just uh, southwest of the bridge that spans the river. Um, and so you walk over there and um, you, while you know you can chop them down, you know that the, the trick is going to be not having them roll down into the river. So... Mm. Um, what do you think is an appropriate check here? Uh, probably survival, right? Okay, yeah, that's fair. See, this is it's right back to RuneScape. Do you guys have someone in your party that's a proficient woodcutter? Um, so, Ooh, yeah, give me a survival check. <laughs> 24. He's level okay. 99 woodcutting. He's got the skill case yeah, for it. You yeah. are, these are, um, these are you trees, but you are, um, you know, you have a sufficient level. I think it's 60 to mm. cut down you. Um, and, uh, yep, you are, um, you're able to make sure that they don't, as you fell them, they do not fall below. And then you harvest quite a bit of wood. Um, and so, um, it's, uh, you're able to chop the tree down and then with your axe, um, get some pretty fat logs and, uh, you split a few of them as well. Um, and so you roll some real fat ones and you carry some of the split logs back into the first level of the guard tower. Um, and, uh, with some scraps that you find around, like tattered cloth and things like that. Like there's a banner that's on the wall. You pull that down and you use that to get the fire started. And, uh, before long, um, you have a pretty good fire going, and uh, you know that once you get some coals uh, really, uh, really going in there, that it's going to be nice and comfortable in here. Um, and Cockaby and uh, Light of Dawn, while you are up top 
investigating these skeletons, you see chimney. Alright, sorry, you see smoke begin to come out the chimney. Uh, yeah, my boy Eisen coming through. Oh, by the way, so speak with dead, it does say the corpse must still have a mouth. So if it's if it's just a skeleton, I don't know if, oh, if you consider yeah. that to still have a mouth. Um, you know what? I'll allow it. <laughs> Alright, well, um, as Cockabee sits in his candle circle, uh, with the smell of his midnight epiphany incense in the air. Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, he will cast. Speak Can you describe the, the scent of uh, Midnight Epiphany? It smells just like, like a, you know that night smell, like a summer summer night smell outside. Mm. Um, just like, almost like like that post rain, uh, crisp smell that you get. That's what it smells like. Okay. Um. All right. Yeah. So so you you you've lit your your candles and your Midnight Epiphany incense. And you're up here, and the wind is howling, but you've created as comfortable an environment as you can. And, and there's some pine-smelling smoke, which is fitting, because it's the, you know, the official scent of tonight's podcast. And um, that's coming up through the chimney. And as you, in the dim light of the flickering candles, you cradle the, the skeleton of this guard who still grips um, a spear in both its hands and has this ruined short sword um, sheathed at its waist and cupping its skull in your two hands you cast Speak With Dead and you can see when you feel a jolt um, and uh, you know that now the skull is just waiting for your question Speak to me bones for I am the cleric of the grave What? Uh the the mouth chatters um and light of dawn standing back sees this um how does how does he react i mean he's he's tracking what's going on he just kind of arms crossing what happens so the the lower jaw like chatters um and then whispers and says closer for i have no tongue and no lips. Impressive. Very <clears throat> impressive. Uh, Kakabe almost looks surprised. Like, he's seen other people do this, but he's never done it himself. So, he's not really sure, like, what was just showmanship and what you actually have to do. So, um, I, I think he kind of has a, like, a a bigger sense of ceremony to this than there actually needs to be. Um, and he says, Speak. What was your mission here? To guard this place from those who might disturb it. Ask ask if she was a, or he or whoever was a follower of Strahd. Did you serve Count Strahd? Never. What what was that said again? He said never. Oh. Uh, ask her if she knows anything that can help us uh, to defeat him. <laughs> um, first, I want to ask, um, why is this place worth defending? Mine is not to know, but to protect. Um, <clears throat> how did you die in this place? Exposure. Ask her how to defeat Strahd. How do we defeat the vampire Strahd? I know not, but wish you luck. And, and then her bones collapse. Um, yeah, I feel like there's just this long exhale out of the skeleton as, like, 
whatever breath of life was giving it the ability to speak leaves and uh, they just go back to being bones. You turn around and yeah, Light of as- Dawn is descending the ladder. He's like, I'm gold. <laughs> as that happens, you can see, you know, the, the snow is falling and despite it being, you know, mid-morning, you almost feel like it's twilight. Like the lighting begins to confuse you and the snow, you think, coalesces into the form of a figure standing there, uh facing over the battlements, spear in hand, um, and they turn and look at you and reach out and put their hand in yours. Um, and then you realize that you're just standing there with your hand out. Cockabee kind of ponders this and looks over the battlements, and then he kind of clenches his fists and uh, with a look of determination is going to head back into the keep. Close the door on your way back in. Uh, he, he does close the door. Okay. Uh, is Light of Dawn still up there, or is he back down in the No, he, he, he is already at the fireplace warming his hands. Okay. Yeah, so the, the, the change from, you know, being told, like, make sure you shut the door is is sort of abrupt for Kakabi. Um, but, uh, yeah. So as you make your way down inside, it's considerably warmer here. Now with the trap door shut, um, the, you know, just, just being out of the wind makes it a lot less cold and once you get close to the fireplace it's toasty um eisen are you still down there are you bringing in more wood uh if i didn't already bring in the whole hole from that tree then i'm doing that okay so eisen's coming in with yet another load but the uh, light of dawn and kakabi you can see that in addition to having a roaring fire going now um there is quite a bit of wood stacked up against the wall uh, that adjoins the fireplace. Eisen, you are a saint. Uh, so, what'd you guys find up there? Uh, just some dead guard bodies. They'd been long, long, long dead. Oh, okay. What were we... Here's probably a better question. What were we supposed to find here? Uh, nothing. <laughs> this is just some random guard tower. I just wanted to get away from the cold. Oh. I mean... <laughs> okay. Are you asking I mean, why are we going along this pass at all? Uh, well, I didn't know if we had any idea if there was something special about this tower in particular. No. All, all we know is that whoever these people were, they they were against Strahd. Right. Yeah, no, they're... Oh, cool. Okay. If there is something special about this tower, you know, I don't know what it is. It is just shelter from the cold on the way to uh, the peak of Mount Gacchus. Anyway, uh... <laughs> I know it's not that late, but I'd rather just uh, hunker down here and... Uh, yeah, it's like yeah, 10 a.m. Yeah, <laughs> like, I was so cold last night, guys. <laughs> <laughs> it's so... Okay, well, it is It is nice in here. And as, uh, as you kind of take your time to warm your bones, um, there are windows. Um, and, you know, taking care to wrap up so that the, the wind doesn't beat you up too badly when you approach the windows looking out into the valley below it is it is beautiful in that distinctly barovian way where um you know snow is falling and uh the wind is playing with it pushing it around but down below there are fields of pine trees in this sort of muted dark green color um and the river snaking through um and then as you look up you can see 
at least part of the slope upwards into the clouds of Mount Gacchus, um, in gray and black. Boys, it is only going to get colder. <laughs> uh, Lem Don spends a long time trying to retune his guitar. The uh, the temperature is really, really screwed yeah, with it. It's probably not great, <laughs> yeah. He is concerned, especially given how dry it is here, that if he tunes too aggressively, he may break something. Yeah, he's definitely, before we leave the, uh, um, like, the cold area, he's gonna loosen the strings a lot, so that when the wood swells again, it doesn't, like, just break his guitar in half. Yeah, give me, a an intelligence check. I am really smart, so. Uh, I'm gonna burn my inspiration on this. Oh, wow. Because I got a nine. Okay, nineteen, that's better. <sighs> okay, so, he knows that, you know, maybe this is a good opportunity to play a little more metal um and it because if he can stay tuned down half a step or a full step um it's gonna be better for the neck yeah i'm gonna play fiddler on the green mm. by uh demons and wizards nice um it may be a good time to revisit dehumanizer and what i believe to be an unappreciated or underappreciated black sabbath album i i i I am standing alone. Listeners, if if you don't know Dehumanizer, which I want to say is like a reunion album from the 90s. But I'll still rock you. It's excellent for those Dio era Sabbath fans. Wow, now, wow, wow. Um, so wow, anyway, now, now. You, uh, you tune down and you play some Time Machine, the downtuned version. Um, uh, Time Machine by the Winery Dogs? Uh, no, Time Machine by Black Sabbath. Oh, okay. Um, and you give it your best Tony Iommi shred, and... Um, Throw me a penny! Nope, wrong song. It's, uh, it's <laughs> and I'll give well. you a dream. So, uh, you're, you're burning through this wood at a pretty quick clip, um, just because of how brutally cold it is. And, I mean, despite those trees being alive... Um, they were dry. Uh, and, what the matter? We can burn the whole thing. We're not coming back, probably. Maybe. Yeah. So how long are you planning on staying here in this guard tower? <laughs> Until the next morning. <laughs> Seriously? What What time of day is it? It's like, like 10 a.m. Right now? 11 a.m.? Oh. Yeah, let's, uh, let's keep going. Oh, are you this sure? This has been nice. <laughs> this has been nice, but, uh, but... We've we've got a mission. Okay. Yeah, it's a, this one I want to survive. So you guys go from that point where, um, you know, you're standing close enough to the fire that like it's almost painful, um, and very quickly you know, walk straight out the door into the cold, and you think like, no big deal, I can handle this. I'm and then toast. like thirty <laughs> seconds later, <laughs> my fingers are already numb. Um, and, and and you you bundle you like wrap up. And uh, you're kind of hugging your chest inside your cloaks. Um, but your feet, as soon as you step outside, you're like, oh, fuck, this is cold. And your face is mm-hmm. fucking cold. I step in a puddle, like, um, immediately, and my toes get wet. I'm like, nope, but <laughs> I'm going back inside. <laughs> Fortunately, it's, it's uh, too cold for anything to be wet out here. Um, but you begin to make your way uh, towards the stone bridge. Um, 
The snowy pass comes to a gorge spanned by a stone bridge. At each end of the bridge is a 30-foot-tall, 30-foot-wide stone arch. Atop each stone are two statues of armored knights on horseback, with lances, charging toward one another. The wind bites and howls like wolves as it passes through the gorge. Um, The arch closest to you contains what looks like basically... I mean, they look like doorways that go to nowhere, um, and you think that this is maybe for, like, places for guards to stand and get out of the wind, uh, but they're just empty now. Okay. I want to pass over the bridge. <sighs> okay. As you step out onto the bridge, you can see that the low walls that enclose the stone bridge have fallen away in a couple of places, but the bridge itself appears intact. Be careful, boys. And as if from nowhere, a black-cloaked rider on a charcoal-covered horse, guards the middle of the bridge. Oh my god, come boys, retreat, <laughs> retreat! It's, it's, <laughs> it's the knight cavalry. I was gonna say, mm. out in Caelan. You, and so what happens is you walk out onto, like, when you initially survey the bridge, it's totally empty. Then you step out onto it, and your attention is caught by the crumbling stone, um like sides of the bridge, basically the walls that would protect you from falling over. And then when you look back towards the center of the bridge, this black rider is there, standing perfectly still. I call out to it after retreating. Hey, you, rider! No response. No motion. Um, I'm going to, like, draw my sword and, like, be like, boys, you know, get ready to back me up, and I start walking towards it. As you approach it, um, it dissolves into the wind. I defeated the boys. We are good to go. Good. Problem solved. Don't need to worry about that anymore. Well done. All right, I sheath my sword and clap my hands and then immediately furl them back into my cloak. Mm. A much needed okay. victory. All, All right. right. I want to keep trucking up the pass. Yeah. So you make it through over the bridge and continue on the pass that hugs the side of the mountain. Um, and you walk, and you walk, and it's one of these things where you feel spent the entire time, but you just keep pushing, because as much as you want to stop, you know you don't want to stop right there. Um, and that, you know, since stopping seems as bad as continuing, you just keep continuing in the hopes of getting something better. Guys, remember when we were standing around the fire? Yeah, that was nice. That was pretty sweet. (laughs) And finally, after about three miles, you see a branch in the path. One headed north and one headed south. Uh, Mm. boys, which way? North. All right, let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you head north. Yes. The road fades away under a covering of snow. No! But it takes you far enough to see the facade of some kind of temple carved into the sheer mountainside ahead. I sprint towards it. The front of the structure is 50 feet high and has six alcoves covering 20-foot-tall statues. Each statue is carved from a single block of amber and depicts a faceless, hooded figure, its hands pressed together in a gesture of prayer. Between the two innermost statues is a 20-foot-tall archway with a staircase leading down deeper into the mountain. I fail to notice all of these details as I sprint towards the door. 
uh, yeah, Cockaby cautiously follows. Yeah, just shelter. Uh, uh, enamored Eisen by is this rushing faceless after figure. Light of Dawn to make sure that if something happens, he's there with support. I don't okay. care. I just want to see water. So Light of Dawn runs, rushing into the archway, and the two of you follow. Icy steps descend ten feet to a time-ravaged hallway with arrow slits in the walls. Beyond the hall lies a vast sepulchral darkness. Um, so he runs inside, and you run in with him, and immediately the biting chill and the noise of the wind dissipates. Uh. But as you look left and right, you can see you see these arrow slits and realize you don't know what you just walked into. Um, <laughs> and I think that is a good place to end tonight's session. Sweet. Bah, bah, bah. Well, thank you for playing tonight, guys. I think this is a good session. I agree. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a good one to get back into it. Yeah. I back love on track with a clear objective. I love yep. non-combat sessions. Uh, that's not a joke. They're my favorite kind of session. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was this is good. You guys tied up a couple of loose ends. Um, we get to see a couple of things kind of close out, and now we're you know on a like a clear path towards something else. So um, join the heroes next session as they find out what just how kind fucked of, they are. Yeah, just how <laughs> fucked they are in whatever kind of dungeon they just entered. Oh God.